Hello everyone and welcome to the second part of our interview with Professor Tomohiro Nagashima. In the first episode, Professor Nagashima discussed his background in education and his passion for developing innovative teaching and learning tools. He explained how his work on two intelligent tutoring systems, Linet and Gwinnett, grew out of his desire to help students learn algebra in more engaging and effective ways. In the upcoming part of the interview, Tomohiro will delve deeper into the design and implementation of these systems. He will talk about the different interaction techniques used in each system, as well as the benefits they offer for students and teachers. He will also address some of the limitations and challenges of using intelligent tutoring systems for learning algebraic equations and share his thoughts on the future of EduTech in general. So, without further ado, here is the second part of our interview with Professor Tomohiro Nagashima. One thing we always kind of ask, uh, especially with what we're learning here at the university, whenever we're introducing new technology to students or even just new instructional methods to students, we always wonder what potential changes could be coming from, obviously, the novelty effect of, oh, it's new, it's shiny, and that kind of can create higher engagement and more interest. Do you have any concerns with any of the the studies you've done that that could be a large uh, impact? Yeah, it is definitely an important question that I have been thinking about uh, for a long time, especially because at least my past studies, and which oftentimes happen in the actual classroom, like school classroom, because it is hard to sort of ask them to spend, you know, let's say like several months to work on this this research platform and a project. It's usually done for about like two weeks uh, or so, and during this this time they will uh, work on this system. And so there should be definitely some novelty effect and we need to sort of think about, you know, how we can sort of understand and interpret in when analyzing the data. But also, yeah, something that I want to do is more sort of long-term engagement with schools and the teachers and students. That way, by having them use the same system for a longer period of time, they may get used to it. And the risk of seeing the novelty effect would sort of decrease. At the same time, another thought that I have is that, so in this study that I mentioned, comparing Linet and Gwinnett. We we compare these these two uh, platforms um, and the students. They they got either like one of one or you know the one of these sort of platforms. So the students using Linux system, they didn't have a chance to uh, work with the Gwinnett system at least uh, during the data collection. Um, but oftentimes, like when I think as a as a teacher, I think you understand that the the teachers they they like to sort of uh, mix different things. They might try one thing on you know day one, but on the on the next day they might try different things. So maybe it might be better to not just you know use Gwinnett, but also mix Gwinnett and Linet somehow. Um, that way, students can also get to practice like typing in equations which they cannot sort of. Uh, experience in the Gwinnett system, but that's a skill that they eventually need. So uh, we're sort of still trying to explore different ways in which this, you know, the, this kind of system can be tested in in uh, in an environment that looks more like uh, the normal uh, typical classroom setting. So it could be like longer term or maybe similar to what teachers might do. Uh, maybe we can mix them to see whether that's effective or not. 
Absolutely. I think that that's a great thing to always think about, right? Um, and I really appreciate you sharing your opinion on those. One thing that really interested us is also touching on what you're just saying here, that you seem to really value conducting your research here in this actual classroom setting as well, versus more of like a laboratory setting or just more of a controlled experiment. Why do you place so much value on conducting uh, research with actual teachers? and students as partners. Yeah, thanks so much for, for asking that question. Yes, uh, I take uh, I take it really sort of, uh, I, I think it's very important to to do my research in the actual classroom settings, um, which I think is more sort of authentic a learning environment for the, the kinds of studies that we do. Because like, let's think about lab versus you know, classroom. Um, if we are invited to, to the lab and asked to, to work on something, uh, and, and compare that against, uh, you know, you're in the classroom that you are, you always, uh, come and do your learning and the researcher might come in and ask you to do something. The environment is so different between these. In the lab setting, the students might be, you know, alone. They might not have their teacher. They might not have peers that they know. So in this sort of, um, lonely environment, they, they might have different feelings. They might be motivated differently. And as a result, their um, learning might sort of look different. And it's not just learning outcomes, but also the, the processes of, of learning. So that's why, because of the, so many differences, uh, I think that the doing research in the actual classroom setting is really uh, sort of the, the crucial aspect of my research. Because this comes back to my, my earlier point about how we could make research more accessible to the practitioner. And I think the findings from the classroom studies would look different from the findings from the control lab environment. So that it's one thing. Um, and also uh, when we try to interpret the results of any of the, the studies that we do, when it's coming from uh, the classroom, it's sort of, it's easier to understand and also try to connect with other findings and other sort of teaching practices that have been done in the actual classroom. If it is con uh, conducted in a lab setting, we would have to think about what are some sort of constraints that we had in in this in this study, and how can we interpret this in when it comes to you know learning because the students would never learn in in the lab. It's a very special, unique setting uh, that they would not experience. Uh, on a daily basis. Yeah. So another point I think it, that I also want to mention is that uh, when doing a classroom research, it, I sort of consider uh, the teachers and the peers as, as part of the environment. So we do control experiments. So we give sort of defined different assignments. We give different uh, things to different uh, groups of, of students. But always there is a teacher and we would, we never want to sort of uh, ask teachers not to intervene. It's rather the teachers and peers are rather the part of the classroom environment. So we rather let teachers to uh, help students if they need help. Uh, because it's part of the this, this classroom environment, and that way it's more sort of it gives a meaning, you know, to the to the findings because uh, that's how the study was done. And when we try to interpret the finding, we can connect that back to the classroom setting, if that makes sense. Absolutely, I really love the focus on even if we're not going to get or be able to control everything. There's not a classroom in the world where everything is controlled, right? Um, so. I think that that focus on 
having data that's produced yeah. by actual students with actual teachers and actual classrooms. I think if I was a teacher and I was looking at your results that I would, that would really speak to me that this was done in a classroom, not in the lab. And I think that led some uh, credibility in bridging uh, kind of that gap between theory and practice. And we really appreciated that, that focus that you have there. Cause I think that it's something that uh, you do a really good job of doing. Yeah. I also appreciate your, um, your opinion as a teacher that you might, yeah, appreciate that kind of results coming from classroom. Yeah, absolutely. I remember as a teacher, we always thought, uh, we always learned all of these theories as a teacher, but we always wanted to also make sure that, uh, how does this apply to me? Um, so it feels nice, even, uh, even though I haven't taught in about eight months at this point, since I've been in this master's program, it feels nice to, you know, we're being heard. <laughs> Uh, one last question we wanted to ask you is, uh, so you are a, a newer professor here at Saarland University. What directions and questions do you want to explore next with your research and, and why? What are the next steps and directions? First of all, I'm super excited to, uh, to be here. This is my first time living, uh, slash working in, in Germany and Europe. Um, so everything is new and still I'm trying to make sense of, um, all the differences and, and everything, but I'm very excited because I've already um, connect, uh, got connected with local teachers and students here here in the state of Saarland, and they are already excited to to work with us. Um, and I'm very excited to uh, forming uh, longer term uh, relationships and partnerships with these schools and. There are many directions that, that I want to go and explore because there are so many opportunities around on campus and also in, in the community, in schools and with teachers and students. But one direction that I want to uh, continue working on, uh, which was part of my uh, PhD dissertation study, uh, was to, to keep thinking about what is really a meaningful you know, that we want students to develop in the 21st century. Um, so while, for example, understanding like facts and like how to solve equations quickly, uh, they are indeed important skills that the teachers want students to, to develop and we want them to uh, sort of um, uh, get practice on. Uh, however, there are also uh, other uh, skills and and knowledge they would need in the 21st century um as we know you know from the recent advancement of like ai technologies and other uh, lots of emerging technologies um one sort of critical you know that we 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 want to promote uh students is to help them develop propositions or um propositions of um making sort of good choices and how we can support their choice making behaviors and strategies um for example uh let's say there is this chat gbt uh it's a uh increasingly uh sort of uh, getting discussed among different people and also as a as a teacher at the university i also need to think about how i might or uh, what kind of sort of expectation I should have in terms of 
uh, how students might use in their assignments and so forth. Uh, but I think that these new things, I think students of the 21st century, they need to develop the skill of how to effectively use this system uh, and when to use this, when not to use this. Um, and maybe it's um, good to use, you know, this, this kind of tools at the beginning. But after getting some response, you might need to sort of think further and then more deeply about how you could you could change and improve uh, the the response that you get from this system and these activities oftentimes involve like making choices like when to use um and you need to sort of understand the when is the appropriate timing to uh to try this this system and when not to do it so all of like these choice making behaviors are everywhere and then these behaviors sort of will continue to be important, and I think it will be more important um, in the in the future. Um, so, using my platform and working with teachers and, and schools, I would like to keep thinking about this uh, this direction and working to to help um, our children to to become like a better learner, a better choice maker, better decision maker. And I want to sort of support that uh, in this community. I feel like you're taking kind of a logical progression from getting them to think about what they're doing, the thought process behind what they're doing in math, to the thought process behind what they're doing in larger decisions on when to use what resources and stuff. So I actually kind of see a, a natural flow of progression there. So... Um, we really appreciate you taking your time with us here today and answering all of our questions uh, that we had and then some more that we came up with uh, just because uh, we were very interested in some of your answers and wanted you to elaborate a little bit more. And uh, I just want to give you one last chance if there's anything else uh, you wanted to elaborate on. Otherwise, we really appreciate having you on. Yeah, um, I just wanted to say that uh, thank you again for, for having me uh, as an interviewee. Uh, and I really enjoyed the conversation uh, with you. And uh, yeah, I look forward to, to doing uh, lots of uh, interesting research here at Saarland. All right. Thank you so much again. Thank you. Thank you very much for listening. Remember to follow us on social media to get updates for our newest episodes. See you in a couple of weeks where we interview renowned educational psychologist Professor Paul Kirchner. See you next time.